The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In these times of rapid change, chaos, and crisis... A new wave of legendary leaders is rising up to answer their higher calling. Many are not famous nor have followers, though some do. They are brave individuals like you, seeking your highest truth and committed to deep personal change. Welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling with your host, Maria Danley. Here is the innovative support you've been looking for to become the legendary leader you are destined to be. Now, here's Maria Danley. Hello, and welcome to Legendary Leaders, Answering the Higher Calling. I'm your host, Maria Danley, and thank you for being here. It's an honor to be with you if you're here live today or if you're listening to the recording at any other time. Thank you for being here. Today, our show will begin with the story of Merlin and King Vortigern and how Merlin learned his magic studying with mentors in the fairy realm and how he eventually outsmarted the king's priests to become Vortigern's chief advisor. Our guest today is Samantha Harper Macy, co-author of the book The Two Sisters Cafe, who will talk about her adventures as an actress, magician, metaphysician, and writer. And our our brain tips today will be focusing on three tools to stop negativity in your head. And each one of those tools is 60 seconds or less. And after the description of the brain tips on stopping negativity, I do hope that we'll have time today to do a coaching demo. I'd like to coach one of you live on the air to show you exactly how to do work with these these really cool brain tips that will stop negativity flat. So get ready if you want to be coached by me and call in later in the show, 866-472-5795. But first, we're going to hear another story of Merlin. We start today by recapping what happened last time when Merlin traveled into the fairy realm and he met the fairy queen, an old hag fishing for stones by the lake. And the two of them fished together throughout the day and they built a matrix of crystals. You may remember, and late in the afternoon, the fairy queen moved her hands over the stones and she worked her magic and they both were touched by a bright light that flashed from within the crystal matrix. And Merlin had a vision, a glimpse of something, And in that chaos, that innocent chaos, a legend was born. A dream, a vision of worlds united. Not one world, not one world government, one world language, one world, no. This is not about mushing and eliminating all difference, making everything the same. It's about uniting worlds, distinct, distinguished, different, uniting worlds. The fairy human boy saw this opportunity as uniting the fairy world and the human world the uniting of worlds to work as one. A flash, a chaos, a possibility, he saw it, and a legend was born, and the great wheel began to turn. The possibility, a dream of of an alliance, of a uniting, and an alliance of worlds, fairy and human, to be as one sharing this earth. To achieve such an alliance, such a unity, there would first need to be alliances in the human world. And to achieve alliances in the human world, it must begin with an alliance within self. 
to find that unity, to find accord, to find the uniqueness and the harmony, to find the excellence and the individuality, and to revere the difference within self. That is what legendary leaders do. The possibility in that flash of chaos, a fairy queen and a boy, and their lives, their destinies were forever changed in that moment, and he was just a boy. I'm in the fairy realm this morning, and it's foggy and wet. I'm wearing my black magician's cape and have my staff in hand. The trees are misty, and it's very damp under my feet with white grass. A spotted white and golden owl is staring at me. I put out my arm to see if it will land there, but it stands on its branch, shifting its weight back and forth, eyeing me with curiosity. I'm headed to Merlin's home to talk to him about his learning magic in the fairy realm and how he became the chief advisor to King Vortigern. I'm walking with my staff, and all at once Merlin is standing right in front of me, wearing his cape and carrying his walking stick. He smiles at me, and we embrace. I begin to tell him why I'm here, that I want to learn more about his education, but he nods before I speak and says, I know why you're here. And then he turns and begins walking, motioning for me to walk alongside him. We are walking down a path, and the trees are arching around us, as if we are walking through a circular tunnel. There are sounds of birds calling, crows and ravens, and a very dense fog, wet and damp. It's cozy, with leaves crunching underfoot, and there's a delightful smell, a faint smell of wood burning, someone's campfire perhaps. Several birds are watching us, some fly overhead. The snowy owl is following us, following us as well, still curious about the two of us. Merlin speaks. When I was a boy learning magic, I certainly had my teachers, but because the fairy realm is naturally magical, it was very easy for me to learn the ways of fairy and for them to show me fairy magic. Tell me about the FIFA magic, Merlin, I, I say to him. What is FIFA magic? It's staff magic, he replies. It's calling up the energy from within the earth and the energy down from above like a lightning rod. When you tap your staff firmly on the ground and set your intention, it's a form of declaring truth now, and it shatters illusions, releasing what is not real. What is shield, shield magic and serpent magic, I ask him. The serpent magic can be literal, calling serpents to you when you need them. But more often, you call the serpents inside of you and draw upon their fiery wisdom, serpents of passion and fire all within you. Serpent magic is like the FIFA in that it calls forth an aspect of magic from inside, yet it calls your wisdom, your fire, your kundalini energy directly and can be summoned at any time. Merlin looks at me and taps his staff on the ground, and I feel this rush of delicious, sensual, almost sexual energy coming up my feet and into my pelvis with tremendous aliveness and pleasure. Yeah, it's great, I smile at Merlin. It calls up the life force direct, directly and has the ability of life itself to transmute, transform, and change whatever you wish. I'm a little distracted right now by this feeling that is running up my body, yet feeling more present to what Merlin has to say. And um, what is shield magic, I ask? You know the way of shield as a protection to protect yourself from harm, but turned upside down, it becomes a platter of plenty. Shield magic is protection magic from evil forces or will help you with inner fear. It's also a platter of bounty when turned upside down. Anything you want can appear by shield magic when you summon it which is handy if you're a solitary magician and there isn't food readily available. Merlin holds out his hands, and with a nod, a metal concave shield appears with two golden, delicious apples sitting in its center. He offers an apple to me. Delicious, I say, and out of thin air. Tell me more about learning magic. Merlin says something about his mentors being kind and at times harsh, but it wasn't that they would need to be harsh. They weren't punishing. It was more that the fairy realm and the magic he was learning was so mutable, you could find yourself in very different changed environment, environments immediately as thoughts turn into realities instantly, and you need to be adaptable. As we walk, he shows me. One moment you're walking through the woods, 
as we are. Then the next moment, you're sitting up in a tree and there's snow outside. Instantly, snow is around us and Merlin is sitting up in a tree, smiling down at me. You need to adjust instantly to changing environments and you can get into odd circumstances. Those were the times my mentors could be harsh harsh with me, trying to protect me, he grins. How did you know when you were ready to leave the fairy realm and step back into human realm as a magician? When did you know, I ask? I was about 13, and my mentor told me that I was ready, Merlin said, as he gave me the image of his mentor sweeping this black veil in the air over and around him dramatically, then saying, you are ready. Merlin takes me into his memory. All of a sudden, I'm in an interior room inside a tree. I see a very large crystal sphere. There's a woman and a man there, and they are talking to Merlin. The crystal is amplifying what they are saying. Merlin is a boy of 13. The two are telling him that people are talking about him and that he already has a reputation in both fairy and human realms. News that there is an unusual young magician, a strange, odd-looking boy, spreads, and it becomes a curiosity in both worlds. People are talking, and they want to know who is this young magician, and their stories grow, as stories do, and inflate his powers, especially his dragon and FIFA magic. And there's wind of him, and he's known even before he leaves his training with his mentors. Most of the magicians in both realms are curious and afraid of this boy magician. Now, the king at this time in northern Britain is King Vortigern, a 5th century warlord and a leading ruler among the Britons. He is surrounded by advisors and priests who counsel him, and Vortigern's priests have heard of Merlin and fear that they might lose their position, so they wonder what to do to eliminate him, and they come up with a scheme. They know that King Vortigern is upset because he's trying to build a castle on a piece of land, but each time the fortress is built, the structure collapses and refuses to stand where Vortigern wants it. So when Vortigern asks his advisors this time, why is my fortress falling down? Why won't it stand? One of the priests answers him, the reason your castle won't stand is because there are dragons fighting beneath the ground, my lord. They won't allow your castle to stand. The other priests nod in agreement. However, another priest steps forward. We have all seen there is an answer. The dragons are fighting because they want a sacrifice. We see that they want a young, sort of long-haired, strange-looking priest, magician, that has these hawk-like, falcon-like eyes. And if you would make a blood sacrifice of him, if you kill this Celt, this druid, this wayward bastard, who has no family really, just a mother, then the dragons will stop fighting and your castle will stand. So King Vortigern, listening to them, them, decides it is so and summons the young magician to his court. Now Merlin is showing me a scene where he's meeting Mortigern and, his, and Vortigern and his advisors. They are standing on the land in deep winter where the castle once again has fallen. Seeing the fear in the eyes of the priests that surround Vortigern, Merlin greets the king and taps his staff hard upon the cold ground. And all of a sudden there's a rush of wind and the sweet smell of spring air and a gentle flurry of apple blossoms fluttering down upon the king and his men. Vortigern is delighted. This king loves to laugh and be entertained, and he is fascinated by Merlin and by such magic. The scene shifts again. Now Merlin is in a small room. Vortigern is sitting by his fire, and two of his advisors are in the room, making their case, once again, against Merlin. The taller priest steps up. He's the ringleader, and another more sheepish one is standing close to him, just waiting to see what will happen. We have all seen, my lord, the tall priest presents his case again. The dragons are angry, and they need to be appeased. The dragons want a sacrifice of this strange young magician. The king ponders and looks at the strange boy. But Merlin, with the eye of the hawk, the eye of the eagle, and with his awareness, tells the king that, indeed, the reason the castle cannot be built is that deep there is, deep beneath the earth, there is a battle of the dragons. The white dragon and the red dragon are fighting, and the red dragon will win. We shall see to that. Now Merlin knows that the white dragon is France, 
The red dragon is the house of Pendragon, the house of which Vortigern is king. My side's going to win, you say, Vortigern exclaims. You are smart. I like what you say. How brilliant. Yes, of course that's it. The dragons are an omen of my victory. And he hires Merlin on the spot. And Merlin takes this opportunity, seizing the moment, and becomes high advisor to King Vortigern. He becomes high counsel, dreamer, and seer to the king, spending his days in and out of fairy realm, taking up his harp again, playing and staring into the fire as he did as a child, spending a good deal of time musing and dreaming of how he might find an opportunity to put his vision, his dream of a united world, human and fairy, into reality. Welcome back. I have an apology for those of you who have been wanting to join in on these free coaching, these telechanneling calls that follow this radio show. I understand from some of you that you've been having difficulty receiving the phone number on time to call in for the channeling call. Well, there was a glitch in my software, so today, for any of you who want to join the call, I'm going to give you that number live. You can jot that down. It's the same number each week, so if you have it, you can come again. But this time, uh, you won't have to call in. I will. I mean, you won't have to actually sign up for the call today. I'll give you the access code. But in the future, it is being fixed, and you can actually go to legendaryleaders.com and sign up. But today, for any of you who are seeking answers to questions and you'd like to get some channeling from your higher self, you can call 712-432-0926. That's 712-432-0926. And dial this access code. A lot of numbers here. (laughs) The code number is 516-363. And then you hit the star. 516-363-STAR. And by the way, if you have comments about the show or anything, questions, etc., you can always reach me at maria at legendaryleaders.com. And again, that's starting today at 2.10, 10 minutes after 2.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 5.10 Eastern Standard Time today, after the show is over. I am so excited to present my next guest. She is a friend, a wonderful friend, lovely imagination, sensual, beautiful writing, She is a friend who's been doing her deep metaphysical work for decades, and I know because we've been doing this work for decades together. Samantha Harper Macy is an actress, writer, poet, and teacher, and she's appeared in the Broadway, off-Broadway, and film versions of Oak Calcutta, and in two films directed by Hal Ashby, Bound for Glory and Looking to Get Out. She was also a series regular on the hit late-night television comedy soap Mary Hartman, Mary Hartman, and taught acting in Los Angeles for seven years, coaching such stars as John Voight and Paul Michael Glazer. Her poetry includes a compilation of intimate poems entitled Loving Men. Her interest in metaphysics and esoteric knowledge within ancient and new age traditions has led her to explorations of science of mind, Buddhism, the Kabbalah, and Western mysticism. These passions, coupled with inspiration from a grandmother who enchanted those who knew her in rural Mississippi, have led Samantha to co-author the book, The Two Sisters Cafe. She is married to the wonderful and joyful actor, Bill Macy. Hi, Sam. How are you today? Hi, Maria. <laughs> How lovely of you to have me on. Well, thank you. It's great to have you here. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm fairly enthralled by your book. It is. It is. It's such a beautiful, beautiful book. Oh, thank and, you so much. And I'm enthralled by your show. I'm just, I'm, I applaud your courage. Uh, you're just uh, doing the great work. And it's, 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 it's exciting to talk about, even to think about being a leader. And, um, yes. and to well, help that, others find that in themselves is, is really a, a high calling. Well, thank you, Samantha. And we are both doing our, our uh, higher calling, and that's what the point of the show is, to inspire others to get up and do theirs. Also to help them you know, release the past so they can do that. I want to say just a couple of these fantastic, uh, let's say, testimonials about her book so that you can get excited about it, folks. 
um, she she has uh, some of the testimonials she received about her book is that it's a strangely compelling book. It has a wonderful spiritual whimsy that makes you smile when you read it and smile after you put it down. Another person says, it's pure magic, and I want to be in the TV series. It'll run forever. That's from our, our friend Sharon Glass. <laughs> and um, like a bite of the sister's amazing pie, once you start to read this bewitching tale, you won't be able to stop. How exciting, Samantha. Tell us. Oh, thank you so much. It was really fun to write. My writing partner, Elena Yulo, grew up in that cafe, and we patterned the two sisters after her grandmother and my grandmother uh, from Mississippi. She, uh, the cafe is actually in Kentucky, and it's set in 1952. Mm-hmm. And it's about a community of people who don't have much in the way of uh, personal belongings, but they live by their humor and their wit. They don't have a lot of education, but they uh, have native intelligence mm-hmm. and foibles. And mm-hmm. in their midst are these two magical sisters who run the cafe, which is the soul of the town. It's open all the time from little ladies who come in on Monday morning to drink Cokes and put peanuts in them to Saturday night when it's a a wild scene of brown bags under the table uh, with liquor in them. (laughs) (laughs) And occasionally somebody comes to the cafe who is a soul who's ripe and ready for a change. Mm. And the sister's use their magic of food and uh, laughter and uh, everything you, uh, anything you can imagine. There's a, a great variety of ways that they take people into their subconscious and unconscious minds and give them a chance to redo something wow. to change their mind. And when they come out, they come out into a different reality. Now, is that part of the magic, or, or, or can you share how they actually bring them into that subconscious and unconscious mind? Well, sometimes they do it through food, you know, the, just the mm-hmm. sensuality and, the, and the, just getting lost in, a, in the, uh, the taste. And the, it's, they, they, one, one woman, they do it by spinning her on the, boss, uh, on the uh, stool, Round and round and round and round, and then she's suddenly going end over end as well, and she's and she goes into the as we know that technique from Lazarus of um, the double tetrahedron. Yeah, the they do it on a, a stool at the diner. <laughs> <laughs> that is fantastic. It reminds me as a kid, I used to do that with my friends, spinning chairs. I wonder how many of us as kids were trying to you know spin out what dimension he's in now. <laughs> you know. Exactly. I, this book is so fascinating. I, I started to read it, Sam. I haven't finished it, but I, it is so, so um, I must say, seductive and wonderful. T- let's back up a bit and tell me a bit about growing up in Batesville, Mississippi. What was that like for you? Well, that was, that was a wonderful place to grow up and a wonderful place to leave when I got to be 18. Uh, but it was... Um, Climbing trees and cutting your own Christmas tree and dragging it through the snow and picking musky dimes and with ladders, uh, uh, going to the Sardis Dam and walking across the spillway. It was just what country people do when they don't have a lot of media. Back in those days, there was no media really except, you know, a little television. And we had to create our own fun. Mm-hmm. And it was I'm very close to all the people from back there now. Uh, um, we had a very enchanted childhood, but I needed to get away, and I dreamed of being a movie star and moving to California, and I dreamed it so intensely. And uh, I told it to my mother, and she said, Oh, you mean you want to be a stage actress in New York? And I said, Yeah. <laughs> that would be fine. I just wanted an adventure. And mm-hmm. if that was the one that she said I should take, I went for it. Mm-hmm. And it was so important to be in New York for those six years. 
And um, from there, I came with my husband, Bill Macy, out to do the Mod series in 1972 and then uh, got my taste of Hollywood and, and that dream coming true. Well, you were, you were doing some pretty racy stuff there on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I went from being a virgin at 21 uh, in a little black dress and pearls. Uh, six years later, I was on the vanguard of the sexual revolution. I, yeah. I just lucked into it. Well. It's fantastic, and this uh, this idea of sensuality and loving men. I mean, you've written is it poems about loving men, and so tell me what you love about men. Just it's fun to hear. Well, my father was the first man I ever loved, and I loved him so deeply. He was a he was such a spiritual man, and so gentle, and he was so funny, and he was an optometrist. He was well educated, and he was but he was a healer. Mm-hmm. And people would come to his office, and they would walk out a different person. Mm-hmm. And his secretary would say, well, what happened to that mean old lady that walked back in, in your office? And he would say, didn't you see her? She just walked right by you, when you on the way out. But she would be transformed by his... He, he loved to listen to people. And he felt that uh, most people don't feel they're heard. Mm-hmm. And... If he, he just healed by listening and by loving and by reflecting back people's goodness and truth. Mm. And uh, I felt that that was a gift he gave me, mm. that mm-hmm. I, I could really see the, the good in people and reflect it back to them. And that was, that's kind of how I do my healing, my healing work as well. Yes. Well, tell, well, tell us about your healing work. Well, I'm like Johnny Appleseed, you know. It's just uh, with friends and personal relationships, and uh, but it is from just reflecting people's uh, the goodness inside them, letting them see it, and um, uh, that's very healing. When a person gets a glimpse of who they really are, yeah, it's very healing. Yeah. And um, I was talking to a friend the other day, and I was saying, "Gee, I don't, I don't feel like I'm doing my great work. I, I'm, I'm, I'm healing from an illness that has been uh, kind of difficult over the last two or three years." And uh, I said, "You know, I, I want to get this healing done so that I can go out and 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 do something of the great work." And she said, "By healing yourself." You are doing the great work yes. by spending the time to build your body, do your yoga, do your Pilates, do your uh, eating right, do your acupuncture. All of that is adding up a level of healing to the world. And I'm just putting that out for anybody who's at home listening that sometimes we have to receive the the healing ourselves. We have to be the recipient of all the goodness that's being flowed uh, flowed to us. And that is enough until we're ready to do something else. But that is enough in itself. I love your saying that, Samantha. It's so true. And, you know, we can get so easily caught up in this idea, I've got to get out in the world and do something amazing, especially if I'm going to be a legendary leader, not that that's the top of people's brains, but it's all about that inner transformation. That is the leadership. If you're doing it yourself, you are changing the world. (laughs) Isn't that thing? I feel I got such a sense of peace from hearing that. Well, you know, I, Sam, Samantha, I've known you a long time, and I've always admired your wisdom. You come from such a deep, beautiful place of wisdom, and when I'm in your presence, I feel calm, everything's going to be okay, everything's going to work out. That's that's the feeling you just give. I think it's a part of your presence, Magic. Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I feel the same way when I hear you read about Arthur. There's a gentleness and a peace that I feel, mm-hmm. so... Well, thank you for that. Takes and, one uh, to know one. You know? Pardon me? Takes one to know one. Oh, honey, well, <laughs> I certainly wasn't expecting that. Anyway, I know that this wisdom is in this beautiful book, and um, I, I'm curious, what compelled you to write 
write the Two Sisters Cafe with Ilana? Well, Ilana had been wanting to write about the cafe for a long time, and every time she started, it just didn't work out. And when we got together, we realized we both had these very magical grandmothers who had very little education, but uh, a lot of magic. Uh, And uh, her grandmother was raucous and funny and outrageous, and my grandmother was quieter, but she would... I I promised Bill I would tell this story today. <laughs> uh, when my grandfather planted bulbs, flower bulbs, in my grandmother's front yard as a present for her, because it was during the Depression and they didn't have much, but she wanted flowers and she had a tulips of every color mm. and daffodils and and a family of moles moved into her front yard and started eating her bulbs. Mm. So she wrote a note, Dear Mrs. Mole, (laughs) I do not wish to hurt you or your family, but these are my flowers, and I would appreciate it if you would move on. And she rolled it up and made my Aunt Miriam go out and stick it in the mole hole. (laughs) And the next day, the moles left. Isn't magic exciting? It's just, it's just pure love. She Isn't just, that beautiful? She so much love in her. Wow. And it's just the kindness of, I don't want to hurt you and your family, you know? Um, and so I said to Elena, well, I will, I'll, I'll, I'll take a stab at writing this too, if, um, if you'll let me write about the real magic. You know, the, yeah. and so the book is really, it's meant to be, um, it could be taken as pure fiction, mm-hmm. but it can be breadcrumbs to lead people into metaphysical study if they find that thread. And if, for the initiated, it's, it's a spiritual odyssey. And the, there's a through line of a little 11-year-old girl who's the, the daughter of um, the local moonshiner. And she's abused, and she's living a terrifying reality. And she comes to work for the sisters at the cafe. And they teach her metaphysics, but they don't do it in a teachy way. Mm-hmm. They they let her do anything. They say you can do any any task you want to do at the cafe. You can do it. We'll show you the best way, but you don't have to do it that way. In fact, you don't have to do anything. And little Sarah deals with all of her issues about power because mm-hmm. here she finds she's a natural magician. She can help with the healings of all these people in the community, but she can't heal her own father. And she can't heal her own mother. And she doesn't know why she should get to live in the cafe and have a good life when her siblings are suffering. And so there are all these issues of power and guilt and fear of power that she has to encounter on her journey. And that threads between all the healings in the cafe is Sarah's participation and help with those healings and her personal struggles with, is it okay to have power? Uh, is, it, is it okay to be magical? Mm-hmm. Is it dangerous? Is there a price to pay? And there is no price to pay in our book. That's another thing I promised Bill I would say. <laughs> there is, there is uh, there's, instead of seeing power as violence or domination. The power of love is the power that comes through this book. Mm. And uh, he was saying this morning, it's the kind of thing that you would want to read to somebody who was sick mm. or who, who couldn't get out of the bed. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, it, he said, even if you just read one sentence, you would get a feeling of the energy of the book. And well, I felt... Very um, happy that that was his response. 
Yes, and, and very similar to your your uh, grandmother putting that note out in the molehill. You know, yes. she didn't go out there to smash the poor moles, but to <laughs> right, invite them exactly. to leave, and they they did. I and mean, you know, uh, even the most dastardly uh, characters, the abusive father, uh, we don't punish him. Yeah, you know, we we we. We don't get into a revenge kind of mode. It stays in it stays in the sister's mode, which is the magic of love. This is so beautiful, Samantha. And of course, we're all moving into this new paradigm. Many of us know this, that we're moving, moving out of a paradigm of domination and, and thinking that's powerful into a world that really is based on the power of, of personal responsibility and of love, just as this book describes. I'll bet many of you out there want to find this book. And if you're snowed in somewhere, how cool to be sitting and reading Samantha's and Ilana's beautiful book. I know you can get it on on uh, Amazon.com, The Two Sisters Cafe. Don't forget, Samantha Harper Macy is our guest today. She's co-written this book. Samantha, where else can they find it? We also have a website. It's the number two, sisterscafe.net. Say that again? uh, The reviews are there, and there's a, a, a link to our illustrator, Pablo Ferro, who is a, a brilliant artist, drew the most gorgeous pictures in the world for our book, mm-hmm. all by hand, all in pencil, so intricate, so delightful. And uh, so there's a link in the press room to Pablo's work and to a, a book trailer that he did by putting his artwork all together and moving it to music, and it's just so fun. Wonderful. Uh, so... Visit the website if you are so drawn. Say that again. The, the website is is actually the number. The number is it two, like a Sisters Cafe? Two S I S T E R S C A F E dot net. Dot net. Great. Well, I'm glad that people can find your book and start reading it. What a wonderful read. I am going to finish it. I, I, I did set it down when I had something else work I had to do, but I'm getting back to it. Thank oh, you so much for being on the show today, Samantha. It's really beautiful talking with you. I hope you'll come on again. Thank Is there you anything so you much. wanted to I say in closing? We, I love, we're I love what you're doing and uh, tally-ho. <laughs> you're gonna, what did you say you were saying, tally-ho? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, tally-ho, and love to Bill as well, and uh, we'll talk to you another time. We still have some uh, the brain tip of today to work with. We're going to teach about ending negativity, so thanks, Samantha. Thank you so much. <laughs> and for those of you, we really do highly suggest this book. Do look at, and maybe it'll be fun to hear it also in Audible if you want, if you like to hear your books. That might be another place. I hope it's available in that format. The brain tip today, I'm actually going to give you three tools today on how to stop negativity. We can all get into those places where we're hearing negative voices in our head and or one particular negative voice or many, but it seems to put us down keep our energy low, just give us a really hard time. In fact, it keeps us from all of our dreams and getting on with our higher calling. So this is what I'll tell you about it. You do have this negative voice. Uh, some people will call it the devil. Some some traditions will call it that. In coaching, we called it the gremlin or saboteur. <clears throat> and in metaphysics, we learn to call it the negative ego. Whatever name you call it, it's still... <laughs> a monkey on your back, so to speak. And there's a good reason why it's negative. It would take time to describe that, which I will someday. But for you to know right now, here are the three techniques. When you hear this voice really plaguing you, the first thing to do is to close your eyes and just stop. Stop what you're doing. Pull over if you're in the car. And close your eyes and imagine, you you intend, you, you see yourself and feel yourself as I am CEO. Put in your name, Inc. So I'm... CEO of Maria Danley, Inc. <clears throat> and as CEO, you have these board of directors, other voices in your head. But this is the one voice that's just negative and gets in your way. So you sit down, you imagine yourself as CEO. In other words, you're the boss and you intend. You intend this negative voice to step out in front of me. Have it step out there a good 10, 20 feet and, or 30 feet in front of you. And just feel its energy, sense if you see a form, or maybe it's a mass of energy, but it's negative. And then first of all, uh, the first technique is that if it's frightening you in particular, 
because the whole point, the whole trick is to get separate from it, this voice, and start to see and understand it. You separate it out, and if you if it frightens you, and even if it doesn't, the first technique it takes just a few seconds is to ask your higher self, or Jesus, or God, or or let's say spirit, whatever is something bigger than you, a higher a higher let's say um, being more than you. You ask it to circle this negative voice in white light and mature it at this time. So I say I ask my higher self to circle my negative ego in white light and mature it at this time. And what happens, that negativity gets contained. It won't be permanent, but it's one of these step in and shift energy right now kind of things. Now, that's the first technique. The second, while it's contained, you can look at it and ask, okay, say what you need to say. And just like a CEO, you let that voice speak. And it might say, you're doing a terrible job on this radio show. Nobody's going to listen. Who cares about whatever you have to say? Uh, you're going to be unsuccessful. Whatever it's saying, you listen to this string of things that it, it likes to accuse you of. Now, it, it's very pointed in what it does, but it's also very repetitive. And you want to just let it exhaust itself. And you say, okay, thanks for sharing. What else? Let it say something else. And then say, thank you. What else? And you don't have to ask, thank it every time, but just say, what else? What else? Finally, it'll run down, maybe pulling really strange things out of the air, like, you know, and you got, you, your socks don't match or something, and you know it's winding down. So you listen to what it says and know that those are all lies. So the second technique is while you're listening to it, is by separating it, you're listening to it, and you, in that sense, drain it so that it's losing its power. You can also shrink it by Imagining it's getting smaller and smaller in that bubble, of, or maybe it's not bubbled, but you shrink it. And you heard it saying, you're going to be terrible. No one's going to come to your radio show. In fact, you're not going to have anybody listeners. And you shrink it, the voice way down. And, and you can poof it with your magic wand or just let it shrink and, and, and start laughing at it. <clears throat> That's another technique. So you've got the technique of circling at white light, of listening to what it has to say so you're aware of it. And the third is to shrink it and make it small so that... Uh, you're taking it lightly. It doesn't become this big thing running your life. Now, we have a few minutes. I don't know if we have, I guess we have some time. We could do a call, take a call from somebody who might be calling in. And if you do, would like to get some uh, a, a quick demo with me. Other, otherwise, I can just take you on a visualization that might work out well. 866-472-5795. And you know, I didn't give much of an opportunity to let you know in advance about that number, at least right now. So why don't I just do that? For all of you at home, I'm going to take you on a short visualization instead of coaching today. It'll work for all of you. So those of you who want to do this, it'll be very brief. You can see how quickly this goes. Begin to relax and close your eyes. And as you sink into your chair, hearing the sound of my voice, just let go. We all have this negative voice in our heads. And as you, this is not a real meditation, so it can go very quickly. You don't even have to sink down too deeply. Just relax a little bit. And now, with your intention, say to yourself, I intend for this negative voice to step out in front of me. Now, it has to do what you say because you're the boss. It just is the truth. And imagine this, maybe a dark energy or maybe um, it looks humanoid or maybe it looks animal-like, whatever. It looks like a gremlin, who knows? But let it step out now in front of you and imagine it there with eyes closed, focus, and sense into it. Can you see if it, how tall it is? How far away? Put it 10, 20 feet further if you need. But feel it separate from you and just sense its energy. Does it take the form of a color, a shape? And feel into its energy. Is it mean? Is it haughty? Does it like to feel superior to you? Is it very weak and, and thin and manipulating with self-pity? Is it very tall, maybe wearing a slick suit and more of a businessman or woman? Is it just black and dark like a death eater? Whatever the form may be, it takes different forms. It knows how to snooker you. <laughs> Sense it there. If you see its eyes... See what its eyes look like, if, if you can see them. If it's frightening you at all right now, say this, I ask, blank, put in your name, if it's Jesus, God, higher self, whatever. I say, I ask my higher self to circle my negative ego in white light and mature it at this time. 
And sense it being bubbled now. It's in a cage, but it's really a, a big bubble of, of white light. <clears throat> One of the reasons it's angry is because it hasn't had time to grow up or mature. So this is actually healing it. So now see it bubbled in that white light, and you are safe. And now listen to it. You're giving it full attention. It'd be like in a business, your direct report comes in to give you information. Ask it. So what do you have to say to me? What is the negative... What are the negative things you're trying to list for me to hear at this time? And listen. And let it run through the things it says. Now, if it's saying I this and I that, separate it out. You want to hear it saying you, as if it's accusing you and it's at a distance. You are not good enough. You are never going to be a legendary leader. You are... Fill in the blank. And like a jukebox, it has its number of negative things it says. Oh, yeah, C32 and A51, whatever, like a jukebox. And you listen and you say, thank you, what else? To hear more of its negative attacks. And this is helping to deflate that uh nasty energy inside of you. Good. <clears throat> and again, ask what else, or thank you for sharing, what else? And remember, your CEO, it's beneath you. It's just, uh, no, not be, it, it is just a, a voice. It is not the one in, in charge. It likes to think, make you think it is. Not true. Good. And as you listen now, <clears throat> it may be running out. Maybe it's getting to a point where it's saying sillier things or far out things. Or maybe it's really scaring you with, you know, your worst fear, like you're going to be a bag lady or <clears throat> you're going to end up in front of you know, handing out, I mean, asking for dimes on the street or whatever your worst fear. It could go that way. Another way it likes to go is just to put doubt in your head. Huh, you sure you want to do that? Hmm, I don't know. You think that's your higher calling? I'm not too sure about that. Likes to frighten you or put doubt in your mind. Good. So now as you, the third technique is you're going to actually let it keep speaking to you, maybe taking back or, or saying something it's already said. Sometimes, by the way, for some of you, it may just go quiet. It doesn't like to be observed. So if yours is going quiet and it refuses to speak, just know it's very angry and you're right on track with the healing of this. So now you can do the third technique, which is to start shrinking it. So here it's speaking to you, and imagine now, maybe you can pretend you're holding a magic wand or just intending it, and you watch this negative voice start to shrink, and it shrinks and shrinks, but as it does, it voice gets higher and higher and higher and higher, and it gets very, very tiny, one inch or whatever height it might be, and you can kind of poof it or zap it if you like. And that, again, this isn't a permanent technique, but it is one that will stop the negativity in the moment. So that's one way to work with the negativity. I hope that's helpful for you. You can always go back and hear the recording and work with it some more. It really is profound. For those of you that want to do more work with negative ego, I will be talking more about that another time. But I will give you the first homework, and it's, it's effective. Keep a journal. I do this with all my coaching clients. Get a little notebook that you can carry around with you. And when, when, when your negative voice in your head starts going ranting and raving about who you are and what, what you're doing wrong and all the rest, which it will, you get your notebook and you just start taking down what it's saying, like dictation, write down every word it says. And then put the book away and then you hear it again. It likes to get you when your mind is spinning or you're moving too quickly or you, uh, you know, you're distracted. That's when neg the negative ego likes to really get you. So just catch yourself, oops, I'm hearing it, and write it down. And you'll be far to start to healing it because the first step really is going to be getting conscious of what it has to say. Because you can't kill it. You can't go la, 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 and be in denial about it. The best thing is to start getting conscious of it. And that is the first step. 
Well, that's all the time that we have today. So I just want to mention again that I'm offering a group coaching program that will address all of the answers that I received in the quiz that many of you filled out. And I thank you for that. It was great to get your feedback. From this coaching program I'm setting up, you'll be learning the top brain tools and techniques to stop draining your energy throughout the day. And I'm calling it the Positive Energy Breakthrough Coaching Program. That'll be starting later in March. I'll show you how to turn the energy drains that you have around quickly and easily in minutes so that you can continue to focus on your higher calling. And I'm also designing this program to be very affordable for everybody. I'll be connecting with some of you live shortly after the call, after the end of the show today and on the free group telechanneling call coming up today and every Tuesday afternoon starting exactly 10 minutes after each week's radio show ends beginning at 5.10 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, 2.10 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And again, if anybody wants this number, get your pen. (laughs) You have to do it fast. 712-432-0926. 712-432-0926 and dial the access code number 516363 and get on today's call. And that happens every Tuesday, and the number doesn't change. For those of you who would prefer private one-to-one self, or a higher self-reading with me, you can contact me at mariadanley.com by clicking on the contact tab tab at the top. I mean, well, actually, it's the offerings tab at the top of the page. And if you sign up there and you're interested in a private reading, you can get 10% off my reading price by using the discount code. And I only say it on this show, so it's called legendary. Use the word legendary in that option, the code, uh, it's called a coupon box, and um, you'll get 10%. You can also email or phone call me for if you like reading. Our guest next week is Dr. Francesca McCartney, and she's the first PhD in energy medicine, owner and teacher at the Academy of Intuition Medicine in Sausalito, California. And that's where I got my master's certificate in intuition medicine where I became a, a certified California-certified medical intuitive. A lot that went on today, so thank you for listening to Legendary Leaders Answering the Higher Calling. It is an honor to support all of you unsung heroes on your journey to become the legendary leaders that you're destined to be. And until next week, I send you my love and I, my best wishes to all of you. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in this week for Legendary Leaders. Maria Danley invites you to join her for another inspiring show next Tuesday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America 7th Wave Channel. Have a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit 7thWaveNetwork.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.